Turn to James. That's been our, our text. We're going to springboard off of that. James chapter 1. We've been talking about the, uh, being doers of the Word of God and not hearers only. And I've been asking the Lord to... Uh, well, I feel like we need to draw this thing, put a little pretty bow on it today. It got a little hot up here with that jacket, so I took my jacket off. That's why it's, it's hot up here. I don't know whether it's because we just brought down the glory of the Lord that we've been asking for or what, but it just got hot. But we've been talking about being doers of the Word and not hearers only. And so I'm asking the Lord, I said, how can we wrap this thing up today? Wrap, up, wrap it up in a pretty bow so that we can use it. And I believe He gave me some specific directions. But I wanted to read the verse one more time. In James chapter 1. I think we're going to start in verse 19, if you don't mind. We're going to start in verse 19. He said, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And then he says this, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. See, the spirit of man is what's saved, really, but your flesh is not saved. You, do, you understand that. We understand that our flesh is not saved. And I, I like it sometimes people say, well, my flesh is saved. You know, my flesh is sanctified. Well, come up here and let me slap you across the face and then let me ask you that question again. See, our flesh is not saved. Our flesh can be, is sanctified. Our flesh can be uh, crucified. We can adjust our flesh to the things of the Spirit. But our flesh in and of itself is not saved. That's why we should never look to the flesh to get our cues from, from what we, how we should act and how we should respond in this natural world. Boy, that was good right there. I ain't never said that before. That's why Jesus said the just shall live by faith. That's why we live by faith. We don't live by this flesh because this flesh is a baby. It is a whiny, selfish, self-centered baby that only wants what it wants when it wants it. And if you don't want it, then that's your bad, not my bad. I want it now, now, now. That's what the flesh is. That's why we should never live our life based on how we feel. We should never live our life. We should never conduct our life based on how we feel. I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about making some decisions, and I said, we're not going to make a permanent decision based on temporary circumstances. We're not going to base our decision based on how we feel right now, because if I base a lot of my decisions on how I feel at that moment, whoo, am I the only one in the house that does that? We don't base our decisions based off of our flesh. That's why we have to become men and women that are solely devoted to the kingdom of God. And we don't make any decisions, period, except that which the Lord tells us. Like I said, I think I said two weeks ago, you know, some people ask, well, why don't you do this? And why didn't you come to this? And why don't you be a part of this? And there's something that rises up on the inside of me now that says, I don't have to justify to you why I'm not doing something. I don't need a reason not to do something. I need a word from the Lord to do something. We live our lives so much of the time based upon the fear of man or based upon the fear of rejection, and we end up engaging in activities that the Lord's never told us to. 
Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father say. We should live our lives accordingly. So he says, lay aside all this stuff and receive the implanted word. That's what we're talking about, right? Being a doer of the word. This word which is able to save that right there. It's able to save it. In other words, when your flesh cries out and says, Lord, I want to do this, then you can now save, you can now, God, you have a mechanism in place that will save your flesh. How many of you believe you can teach your flesh new things? You think you can teach your flesh to enjoy the things of the Spirit? I'm going to say that again. Do you think you can teach your flesh to enjoy the things of the Spirit? Uh, I think it's, uh, Lord help me, there it is. Uh, Psalm 84. This isn't part of my notes, but I just feel like we need, to do, we need to touch on this. Psalm 84. Let me show you something real quick. But receive the implanted Word of God, which is able to save your souls. I don't know about you, but my soul needs saving. My flesh, can we just say this? My mind, my will, and my emotions. Your emotions are tied into your flesh. My mind, my will, and emotions. That's what makes up the soulless realm. The mind, the will, and the emotions. Say it with me. The mind, my will, and my emotions. You mean all that can be saved? Yes, all that can be saved. It is, it, there, is an, a, there is a mechanism in place that God has put that is able to save our souls that is able to take that which the enemy means to destroy us and use by which to destroy us, there is a mechanism in place that God has set in place for us to be able to save our souls. I don't know about you, but I don't want to come to church all the time and not feel like coming to church. I mean, my God, we ought to get to a place where we should enjoy the things of the Spirit. Am I the only one? Well, you know, you got to pay the price, brother, to serve the Lord. I believe that there is a price to be paid for serving the Lord, but I also believe that there is a reward to be gained now. He said, Jesus said, there is not one that has left houses and, and children and families that in this life will not receive a hundredfold. There is a price to be paid, but there is a reward to be gained for serving the Lord. It pays. It pays to serve the Lord. I brushed up against something right there. I did. I brushed up against something right there. Maybe you never heard that before. Say, that, say it with me out loud. It pays to serve the Lord. There is a reward. There is a benefit. There is a, uh, in this life right now, right at this moment, there is something to be gained from receiving everything that God has. There is something to be received. There is something that we can walk in as believers that the world has not even, even remotely seen yet. What does it say in, in 1 Corinthians? It says that eye has not seen, ear has not heard the things which God has made manifest for the children of God. But He has made it known to us by His Spirit. There are things that God desires for us to... Uh, uh, um, for us to engage in in this life that we have yet to engage in. Mm. We have the answer. Psalm 84, you ready? Everybody say Old Testament. The blood of bulls and goats. Right? Jesus ain't shed his blood yet. 
So this is talking about goat blood and bull blood. We're not talking about Jesus' blood. Listen to this in Psalm 84. David's one, the chief musician said this, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. How is the word of God able to save our souls? These men were old. I'm going to remind you again. Is this Old Testament or New Testament? What we're reading in Psalm 84. Old Testament? So Jesus Jesus had not died yet. Christ in you, the hope of glory, has not been made manifest yet. And yet these brothers that would go into the tabernacle said, my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions, my heart, even my flesh. Do you believe that you were created to not only engage in a relationship with God Almighty, but that your flesh was created in such a way to embrace and to engage everything in the hall, the essence that God is. Do you believe that? So then man sinned, right? And so now our flesh, Paul said, our flesh wars against us. The things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me from this body? That's what he said. But then the very next verse he said, Oh, thanks be to God who always causes me to try. Listen to me. These priests would go into the temple once a year and they would offer the sacrifices for the remission of sins for the, for the people. Not for redemption. Just, just to, it, was, it was imputed for one year that those sins would be covered for one year. And those, those men would go into the presence of the Holy of Holies and they, get, they would get to such a place and they would do this so often that they got to a place, listen to this, where they recalibrated their flesh to enjoy the things of the Spirit. If reading your Bible is boring to you, if coming to church is boring to you, then you ain't doing it right. I got, what, two amens on that one. You can get to such a place in the Spirit with God. You can get to such a degree of relationship with Him and His Word that it really doesn't matter what I say or anybody else that stands up there and says what they said. You can receive whatever it is that God has for you. Because it's dependent on you, not just him. It's, it's relying on you. It's like Jacob said earlier. It's like he, you draw near to him and he will draw near to you. It, it is, this, this is a, a relationship aspect where when we engage God, he willingly engages us. He's already engaged us. The only other thing that he would have to do to engage us is to make us engage him. And he's not going to do that. He has gone as far as he can without violating your free will. There is no other step that God can take to show and demonstrate his goodness to us uh, except override your own free individual will and make you do something and he's not going to do that because that's not, we're not robots. 
He desires for a family, a relationship. And so He engaged us and has engaged us and continues to engage us, but it's our choice to engage Him. And I'm telling you that there's a place that you and I can get to where our flesh can be recalibrated. Listen, that's good news. Where it can be recalibrated to enjoy the things of God. My heart and my flesh cry out. You ever heard your flesh cry out? I'll tell you what. Let's just do an experiment. Don't eat anything for the next seven days. And then next Sunday when you come, I'm going to let you testify as to your experience of your flesh crying out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Your flesh will cry out. Your flesh has a strong voice and it will tell you. But there is something to be said about the Word of God in James where he said, receive the engrafted Word of God which is able to save your souls, our souls. Then he says this, but be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his face in a a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. (coughs) What's he saying? I was meditating on that again this morning. And I heard the Lord say, Son, you can receive divine revelation." You can read the Word of God and you can receive inspirational, divine revelation. You can see things that you've never saw before from that Word of God. But unless you do it, this is what he said to me, but unless you do it, it doesn't profit you anything. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, or 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where he said the love chapter, he says, if I have faith that can move mountains... Or I have wisdom that can discern all mysteries and understand all things, but have not love. I am nothing. That's why he said, son, my my willingness to give and impart things to you is not even dependent on you as much as it is the receiving the benefits of those things is dependent upon you. He's giving you, has already given you, has put inside of you everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's put your giftings, he's put your personality, he's put your destiny, he's put your, the plans, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He's put all of that inside of us. But you and I will never receive the benefits of that gift unless we tap into it. And part of that is being a doer of the Word of God. I like it when he says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who observes his face in a mirror and then he turns away and he forgets what he saw. You ever done that? When do you do that? Well, you do that when you're in a hurry. When you don't value what it is you look like. You can tell. What if I should say that or not? You can, you can tell the people who who spend a lot of time engaging in themselves, looking at themselves, and you could tell tell the difference between a man and a woman. A woman would spend a lot of time in the mirror looking at herself, but a man won't spend that much time. I didn't get no amens on that one, not one. 
Not even for the women. I didn't hear no husbands go, amen. Why? Because, uh, because a woman was created to be, uh, she was, okay, man was made, woman was formed. Hallelujah. And so when, when my wife looks, or my daughters, when they look in the mirror, they're looking and they're making sure that everything is, I mean, I do the same thing. I, mean, I print just like anybody else. But they look at themselves and they observe themselves and they're doing I guarantee you my wife, she don't walk away without knowing what she's looking at. Me sometimes, on the other hand, I just be like, okay, and I'm out. But a doer of the word is one who observes himself in a mirror. See, we're so much of the time looking to get something that we've already been received. We've already received. What did we read over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 just a while ago? I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I feel like I need to, I need to say it. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Anybody got a mirror? Any, any woman got a mirror, a little pocket mirror in your purse this morning that I can borrow for a second? Nobody? All right, I'll use my phone. Okay, so we see that anyone who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer and is a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. But the hearer only and not a doer is one who looks at himself in the mirror and does what? Walks away and forgets what he looks at. So we sing those songs. We sing that song, uh, Show Me Your Glory. Listen to me. Show me your glory. And it's like the Lord saying, well, look. See, because when, when, if you just see this as a, if you just see this as the enemy wants you to see it, you'll see it as a reflection of what you're not doing. See, shame, shame is such a powerful weapon of the enemy. Shame will keep you from listening to the only voice that can really accurately show you what you're capable of. Shame will cause you to stay away from the Word and stay away from relationships rather than embracing them. But the Word of God, if you look at it the way God intended, is when you look at this Word, you see not only yourself, but you see the glory of God that's been manifested in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so now when we look at this word, what do we see? We see not only ourselves, but we see that which we are becoming. Come on now. We see that which we are becoming. You will become that which you behold. Well, I don't like myself. I don't like my life. I don't like where I'm at. Then what have you been looking at? What have you been beholding? Because that is what you will become. He has set it up in such a way. When we look at the Word of God and we, in, in, and we engage in that Word of God, it never fails. It brings light and illumination and revelation. That's why the enemy don't want you to read it. Because it's in the King James English. Do you know how many versions of the Bible there are nowadays? You can get one in the Street James Version if you want to. The New Living Translation, the Amplified, the New American Standard, the New New American Standard Literal Translation for the, you know, I mean, whatever, it just goes on and on. There are so many different, 
translations of the Bible, there's really no excuse for us not to engage in a lifestyle of reading this thing which is able to save our souls. Do you know that darkness is not so much in and of itself a, a thing or a, uh, a presence? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not so much in and of itself a a, a state of being as much as it is that darkness is simply the absence of light. You understand that, right? God said in the beginning, he said, light be, and now light has been created. April took a, uh, saw a picture of NASA that the other day on Facebook that's got the largest picture of space that has ever been taken. And it, it's, it's amazing. It's huge. And it looks like just stars. And every one of those stars is a galaxy. I think it was Lainey that asked me the other day. She said, what's a light year? I said, that's how long it takes you to get somewhere if you're traveling at the speed of light. That's pretty doggone fast. But in the vast expanse of all, this, of all these things, in the vast expanse of all these things that God has created, He created us. And so for us to walk in the light of that, it's simply being a doer of the Word. And so when you and I look at this mirror, we look at this Word, we now become transformed and we engage into the life-altering transformation process that's already happened in here. And now we're a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. We behold this and now it benefits us because we begin to see what God has called us and what He's made us to be. And so we simply respond and act in kind. We simply do what we have seen from the Word of God. John 11, verse 40, said, Jesus said this. Jesus said to, said to the woman, he said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? There's an element to be said of the glory of God. I've been doing this study. I've been meditating on the glory of God. And how that we are to go from glory to glory to glory. And how that the definition of the glory of God is simply all the essence of who God is. Now listen, the essence of who God is has already been made manifest in us. That's why when we sing that song and we say, uh, I want to see, I mean, uh, um, um, I want to see your glory. I want to see, I want to see your glory like Moses did. No, we don't want to see the glory like Moses did. God had to turn his back. But with us, the veil's been removed, and now we can engage fully without the penalty of death into the all essence of who God is at one time. That's pretty amazing. And that essence of who He is lives inside of us. It resides on the inside of us. We behold we become what we behold. When we behold the glory of God, when we behold the Word of God, which is able to, to transform who we are from the inside out, now we become who we've been beholding. When he says that we would be uh, transformed in 2 Corinthians, that as we behold, we are transformed and we are made anew. That word is where we get the word metamorphosis. You know a butterfly is inside of a caterpillar. 
There's no special ingredient. There's nothing that has to be done to turn a caterpillar into a butterfly. But that caterpillar has to go through a transformation process. So I'll share you something else I heard this morning when I was, meditating. I was praying and I was asking the Lord. And I heard the Lord say, tell them to give themselves some slack. Because, I mean, I was reading and I was thinking, Lord, you know, I desire and I want to and I'm endeavoring to, but I have yet not attained the things which I want to attain. And the Lord said, give yourself some slack. But we all with unveiled, and I said, Lord, you're going to have to give me a verse for that because I don't know, there's too many people, you know, so much judgment and law nowadays. You've got to give me a word. This is what he said. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Everybody say transformed. Into the same image, the same image, the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, chapter 4, verse 1, the very next verse. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Lord, I'm trying to transform. I mean, my gosh, I've been spending all this time in Bible study, and I've been listening to all these people. I've been going to church, and I still am not transformed. And the Lord said, give yourself some slack. Because transformation, it's like a butterfly gets inside a cocoon, and then five minutes later it's frustrated because it's not a butterfly. Give yourself some slack. That's what mercy is for. That's what grace is for. And you and I are being transformed from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory as long as we are beholding what it is that we desire to be. See, being a doer of the word is not about law. It's not about right and wrong. It's not about doing what's right. Being a doer of the word is simply accessing and engaging everything that he's put inside of us so that we can walk and talk and live like he's already designed and destined and imparted for us to be. It's in here. And as we read about it, it now becomes to transform. When you see things from the word of God, it's not that you are deficient of it. It's that you and I have not accessed it. Christ in you. How can Christ come in us and we be deficient? How can you and I be made, like 2 Corinthians 5 says, how can we be made a new creature and yet we're still deficient? How are we deficient? We are not deficient. We are not praying for something. Come on now. We are not asking the Lord to do something for us and in us. He has already done that. We are simply saying, Lord, help us engage and activate that which is already in us. I was thinking about that on the way in here this morning. That song, more love, more power, more of you in my life. How can we get more of God if he's already in us? How can we get more love? You don't need more love. You just need to walk in the love that's already in you. He said the love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's not about you needing more love. It's about you crucifying that flesh and walking in love. We don't need more of God. We've already got God. We need more Holy Spirit. No, we don't. You just need to take a bath in the Holy Spirit more often. The Bible says be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in the New Testament. It says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, which means be being filled. In other words, you get to that place 
Will you immerse yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to continually flow through you and you will flow out into others? Well, I'm just dry, Pastor. Well, go take a bath. Well, I just feel burnt out. Well, stop setting yourself on fire. Go jump in the water. Listen, if you're burnt out and you're dry, it's because you're doing something and operating in, in, outside of your grace. I'm not saying that you won't have... Listen, I, 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 I endeavor to pass up many marvelous opportunities daily to get frustrated. Sometimes I pass them by, sometimes I just welcome them on in and I just get frustrated. I pass up many marvelous opportunities to get burnt out. If you are burnt out, it's because you're operating in your flesh, not his. Come on, now don't shout me down. Well, I'm just well, fill in the blank. I used to say this all the time. I used to, when I was in uh, when I was in, in Bible school, I used to say, my roommate Brinson, I used to say, I'm tired. I'm just tired. I said that all the time. And you know what I was? Tired. Finally, Brinson goes, Well, why don't you just go take a nap? You know what I mean? Well, I feel dry. Well, to go take a bath. Put some oil on the oil of the Spirit. Come on, listen, I'm telling you right now, listen to me. Be a doer of the Word of God. You feel that way? Then shut everything out, flip on you some praise and worship music, and take a bath. Just lift your hand. Just right now, just do this for me. Close your eyes and just lift your hands and just say, Holy Spirit, I just engage that which is on the inside of me right now. And I just say, you, I am full. Say it with me. I am full of the Holy Spirit. The glory and the essence of God lives within me. I engage that right now in my life. And it causes everything to fall away in my life. See, that you don't need to be in church to manifest. You can do that in your car. Being a, doer, being a doer of the Word of God means to engage in that which is already in us. We see this so much of the time as what we're not doing. Well, this Bible is full of stuff that we're not doing. What if I told you that this Bible is full of stuff that you could do? See, that changed your perspective, wouldn't it? I remember this story of a preacher who was trying to help this fellow who had been in the church for years. And he said, I just quit reading the Bible. And he said, why'd you quit reading the Bible, Jesse? He said, well, because I can't memorize it. I can't remember nothing. So I just, I can't remember it anyway, so I just don't even read it. He said, okay. He said, well, Jesse, will you do me a favor? If I ask you to do something, will you do it for me? He said, yes, sir, I sure will. So he handed him a wicker basket. I told some of this story to you guys the other night, but I'm going to repeat it because not everybody else was here the other Wednesday night. Handed him the wicker basket, said, do me a favor, walk over there to the water spigot. Will you fill that wicker basket up? And the guy looked at him. He said, now, Pastor, this wicker basket ain't going to hold no water. Jesse, listen to me. Do you trust me? Will you just do what I ask you to do? Go over there and fill that bucket. Just spend 10 minutes trying to fill that wicker basket up. He said, Pastor, this ain't going to work. It ain't going to hold. It's not going to hold any water. 
He said, well, you just do what I ask you to do. Okay. So he goes over there for 10 minutes. He's trying to fill that wicker basket up. Water just steady pouring out of it. At the end of 10 minutes, he comes back to the pastor and he said, he hands him the basket, frustrated, and he said, I told you, pastor, that that wicker basket ain't gonna, it's not going to hold any water. And the pastor looked at him and said, yeah, but I bet that basket is a whole lot cleaner now. See, when you and I engage the Word of God, it don't matter whether you memorize it. Because you can't help but be in the presence of God. You can't help but look. You know why you don't like reading the Bible? Because the enemy knows that every time you look at it, he sees who you are and he don't want you to see it. And every time you look at it, every time you and I read the Bible, we remind him of the defeat that has already been taking place and how he has no power over our lives. None. He has no power. We simply remind him of what's going to happen to him soon and very soon. See, I'm closing. I'm going to close. In a lot of respects, it's easier to just live our life without the expectations that the Word brings forth because it requires very little of us and it's just comfortable to just believe that everything that happens is the will of God. But that's a lie. Well, you know, I, I mean, it, any of you have a soapbox or a pet peeve that just, I mean, it just, somebody says, and it's just like they stick a knife and it just... When somebody says, well, you know, God is in control, I just. If God is in control, then why did he take the keys from death, hell, and the grave and give them to us? I'm not saying that God, let me tell you what God is. God's purposes and his will will be done. But God has more than one way of doing things. I don't have time to get into it, but if you doubt that theologically, then go look at the children of Israel in the desert. And what did he say? What was his promise to them? I will lead you into the promised land. How come they didn't go to the promised land? Was it God's fault? Well, God's wasn't planned, but God knows, but God knows, but God knows. Yes, he does know, but it doesn't change what his will and his desire was for them, even though they didn't. And the only two people, Moses himself didn't even get to go in the promised land. He got to see it, but he didn't get to step into it. Joshua and Caleb, that was it. How is that? Because God has more than one way of doing things. His will is going to be accomplished in this earth. But the strategy or the vehicle sometimes of that will will be altered from time to time because you and I are a part of it. It's like when people say, you know, very seldom are things all God and all us. It's always sometimes, it, most of the time, it's a mixture of the two. Because we are, you ready, co-laborers with Him. So he requires and, and needs us to do certain things because once again, if he just did what he wanted to do and what he could do, he would violate our free will, which would set back everything he was trying to accomplish from the beginning. The enemy does not have the power over our lives that he would like us to believe he does. And the lie 
is that you and I could just hop through life and whatever happens, happens and it's the will of God. But that, listen to me, that is a lie. You and I can affect and engage the culture around us and infect change in our life. And it's when we engage and behold the Word of God. The re- that's, that's what I was trying to get back to. The reason why He doesn't want you to read the Bible, the reason why He doesn't want us to engage in the Word of God is because it scares Him to death for you to realize and for I to realize what God has created us to be. Because the more we do that, the more we behold His glory, the more we behold what has been put on the inside of us, the more powerful and the more stronger we become against the kingdom of darkness. And He don't like it at all. But it's easier. Because if we live our lives like that, we don't have to be accountable for what we do, what we say, and what we think. But not only is that a lie, not only is that living as a secondary class of of human being, but it is defeated before you even get started because he has set up in place mechanisms for us to engage everything that God has for us, and it's through his word. You can engage everything that God has for, for your life by engaging and being a doer of the word of God. That's what he said. He said, if anyone is a hearer and not a doer, is like a man who observes himself and he forgets what kind of man he was. He just forgets it because he don't care. What happens, what happens, whatever God's will is will be done in my life. No. But he who observes himself and looks into the perfect law of liberty. See, there's a law of liberty. Preach that law. There's a perfect law of liberty. What is that? That you are free to be who God's created you to be and to give yourself some slack to allow that transformation process to take place. Now listen, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. The blessings in our life come about when we are doers of the word of God and not hearers only. And I'm going to say this, and then we'll close. A lot of times in our life, the reason why we're not experiencing the blessings in our life is because we're not doing what God has said for us to do. And we're trying to do it our way. Whereas if we would engage in what He said for us to do, both from His Word and by the Spirit of God, the unction of God that tells you to do something, if we would engage in what He tells us to do, how long would it take us to get there? It took the children of Israel 40 years, and at the end of 40 years, they all died. Couldn't get there because of rebelliousness, stiff neck. He said this stiff neck. There was one place where he said, look, you want me to? I'll wipe all these people out, and I'll make you a new nation. There's more than one way that God can do things. But his plans are going to be accomplished. But for us, for our part, we are to be doers of the word. Are you going to be a doer? Or a hearer. Come on, stand with me. You're going to be a doer or a hearer? I'm going to be a doer. I'm going to read this to you and then we'll, we'll close. Webster's 1828 American Dictionary defines potential as existing in possibility, not in act. Potential cannot manifest without form. 
like concrete, it must have something to be poured into, something to give it shape and make it useful. To develop potential properly, you must have a plan and pray over that plan. You must have a purpose and you must be doing something. Many people are unhappy because they aren't doing anything to develop their potential. In fact, many of them never develop their potential because they don't do anything except complain that they're not doing anything. (laughs) If you want to see your potential develop to its fullness, don't wait until everything is perfect. Do something now. Start laying your hand to whatever's in front of you. You cannot start at the finish line. You must start at the beginning like everybody else. See, the good news is that when you start and you engage in the doing of God's Word, it takes you from point A to point B a whole lot quicker. It does something in your life. And I'm going to challenge you, don't be just a doer, I mean a hearer of the Word only and not a doer. You see something from the Word of God that tells you something to do something, then do it. Engage in it. If you have questions about it, ask the Lord. Lord, I don't understand this tithing thing. See, we're going to talk about that pretty soon. We're going to talk about money and how money is a resource and what the kingdom of God is. But if you don't understand tithing, if you don't understand what that means, how can you be a doer of it if you don't understand? Well, ask the Lord to show you. What does that mean? If you don't understand what it means to not forgive, okay, you holding a grudge against somebody, you don't understand what that means, ask the Lord because the Bible says to forgive others as Christ has forgave us. Close your eyes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we will, with all of our might, and as an act of our will, engage, do our best to engage everything that you've told us to do. That we will purpose in our heart to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Lord, we ask you to reveal to us the areas in our life that we are not being a doer of the word. That those things which we need to change, those things which we need to alter, I thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will reveal those things to us. You sent the Holy Spirit to engage us and to help us engage the culture around us and to live our lives as if you were living with us. But not only with us, but you live in us. So we thank you for it. By faith, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Miss Carol, I had it on my heart. I wasn't here last week, but I had it on my heart. I wanted you to come pray and dismiss us. Would you do that for me? You blessed me the other night when you prayed for us. I was... And I felt like the Lord said, why don't you ask Miss Carol to come by? I want to remind y'all, if y'all signed up for the what's next, it's, we're going uh, about 10, 15 minutes after we dismiss, we'll be meeting right there in the foyer. Would you bless us? Pray over us. Almost heavenly Father. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you glory. Father, we give you honor. And Father God, we just thank you for this word that came forth, Father God. Father God, we thank you that it will fall on good ground, Father God. And and Father, we thank you that it will serve the purpose that it was intent to serve, Father God. And Father God, we ask that you touch every mind, every heart, and every spirit, Father God, and let it be open up to whatever it is that Pastor was setting forth before you, Father God. And Father, we decree and we declare that it is good soil, Father.
Father God, and that they will meditate on your word day and night, Father God, and that they will be like the Bereans, Father God, that they will study and see that it is so, Father God. And Father God, we're asking that you bless this food and let it be used for the nourishment of our bodies, Father God. And we give you praise, glory, and honor in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen.